This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Whenever I see a report about immigration these days, I keep hearing this phrase, breaking point. Uh, meanwhile, the southern border is already at a breaking point. You have heard. And they said the agency has, quote, arrived at the breaking point. We have a port that is stretched um, to a breaking point. We are at a- Sometimes this idea of this breaking point, it's illustrated by these terrible images, pictures of detained families kept behind some fencing under a bridge in El Paso, Texas. But it turns out this breaking point, it looks remarkably similar on both sides of the border. Well, I, I uh, visited Tijuana when the, the, the caravan crisis uh, exploded, and what I found was, uh, was tragic. Leanne Krause writes for Slate, hosts Trumpcast, and he grew up in Mexico. People were gathered at this sports complex just a few feet from, from the border within a, a small baseball field that uh, just a couple of weeks before was, was being used for Little League baseball. Leon shot some video on his cell phone while he was in Tijuana. Tent after tent, some of them plopped down in the middle of a playground. Hola amigos, estoy en la sede de la caravana migrante en Tijuana, en el deportivo. There were probably 5,000 people gathered. They were using portable toilets lining the outfield fence with makeshift showers. The stench was unbearable. People were sleeping under makeshift tents. Uh, they, they, people in Tijuana have moved to a slightly larger place, indoors, but uh, they still uh, are living in, in very difficult conditions. That's, that's the reality of it. Leon looks at our immigration debate from a very specific perspective, a Mexican perspective. He says the U.S. and Mexico are just too intertwined not to tackle this breaking point together. But the way Trump talks about Mexico isn't making that job easy. It took him a hundred seconds, uh, and I counted them, to begin bashing Mexico when he first launched his presidential campaign. So it's no surprise that he's still doing it. Recently, the president used Twitter to provoke the Mexican government. He proposed shutting down the border completely. Then he proposed putting tariffs on Mexican cars as a kind of punishment. He said the Mexican government is doing nothing to prevent illegal immigration. Has there been any response from the Mexican government to none? No. It it, it surprises me that uh, the the current Mexican government hasn't responded. Because the new Mexican president, Andres Manuel López Obrador, promised he would. During the campaign, he promised he would personally respond to to Trump's tweets. But once in power, López Obrador has adopted a completely different approach. Uh, Just recently, he declared uh, Trump's vision on immigration legitimate. He used the word legitimate. He he legitimized uh, Trump's nativist vision on immigration. And it's a remarkable reversal. Leon says, to understand what's happening on our border, you have to look at both sides of it. So today, 
We're going to examine why Mexico's government can't make up its mind about President Trump and what that means for the humanitarian crisis on the border. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, so we've had Donald Trump for the last couple of years. Mexico just got a new president in December, right? Yes. Tell me a little bit about who Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador is. Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, Mexico's new president, has been the country's main political figure over the last 20 years. And everyone, everyone calls him AMLO, right? Yes, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, his initials. He has focused obsessively on uh, corruption. Uh, he has gone back to the idea of fighting corruption time and time again over the last uh, 20 years. And finally, after the very corrupt government of Enrique Peña Nieto, on his third try, he won the Mexican presidency on a landslide and uh, has been the president of Mexico for the last four months on, on a, an agenda that began progressive agenda, but now has morphed into something much more complex and sometimes contradictory on a, on a bunch of issues, including immigration. Well, could we, could we go back and explain, like, one of the first things that Lopez Obrador did when he took office was to liberalize immigration policies, right? Uh, yes, of course, Lopez Obrador promised he would do a better job protecting potential refugees from Mexico's uh, previous government. What happened before was was, was brutal with the, with the Peña Nieto administration that severely mistreated Central American immigrants. I mean, since 2014, Mexico had deported more Central Americans than the United States. Uh, Amnesty International found that 69% of asylum seekers from Central America were never even asked the reason why they had left their country of origin in, in the previous administration. So, so López Obrador said, listen, I, I'm going to make this better. And in the beginning, he did start offering humanitarian visas and promised jobs in Mexico for Central American immigrants. How did those policies end up impacting the flow of migrants north? Well, this, this began very recently. López Obrador has been in power for just over four months now. Um, so in the beginning, uh, the, the number of uh, Central Americans uh, that were deported uh, fell in Mexico. But things are moving in the other direction now after the, the, the Trump administration urged the Mexican government to adopt a, a rather punitive approach. It sounds like he had to shut down this new program pretty fast because they weren't prepared for how many people would take advantage of it. I, th I think that's true. I think that the, the Mexican government uh, has never been prepared for, for this crisis. The resources needed for dealing with such a, with such a, a humanitarian crisis have never been put in place in Mexico. They weren't in place in the previous administration. 
and even less so in the current administration. It has cut the budget in, uh, for the agencies that handle refugees and uh, migration. I'm sure it doesn't come from the same horrible nativist, racist prejudice we've seen in Washington for, for a while now in, in the White House. But in essence, the new, the new Mexican government is approaching that sort of, uh, again, punitive approach that has offered absolutely no results. So the Mexican government walked back this policy they had to let more folks in, I think partially because of the fear that the surge of people being seen at the border with the U.S. was intertwined with their decision to be more liberal in terms of who they let stay in the country. And then that sort of started to characterize their whole relationship with the U.S., where even though the president had come in talking really tough about Donald Trump, that seemed to change in terms of especially immigration policy. Uh, certainly. López Obrador decided that he could maybe appease Trump. Why? Again, that, that for me is a fascinating question. Maybe the new Mexican president is just not interested in foreign policy, or maybe he has fallen into this sort of Nixonian Trump as madman trap and, and, and now believes that antagonizing Trump could endanger the bilateral agenda, which includes, of course, the USMCA, the new trade agreement that is supposed to replace NAFTA. Or maybe López Obrador believes he actually can outmaneuver Trump through uh, appeasement. Uh, I believe every single one of these approaches is, is misguided. In any case, uh, and this for me is, is dramatic, uh, the new Mexican president has, I think, indeed betrayed what he once promised. He has betrayed his own principles on the matter, namely that he would protect the immigrant Mexican community and, and the immigrant community in general. He said as much when he campaigned in the United States in 2017. And we are talking of 30 million people of Mexican origin in the United States. So that's quite the betrayal. Can you tick off some of the things that the Mexican government did to sort of rein in immigration in the last few months? Like what what else are you sort of seeing that's alarming to you? Well, recently, I would mention the fact that they agreed to this uh, uh, Remain in Mexico policy. The Mexican government said uh, it, it was doing it out of humanitarian reasons, but that's disingenuous because if you're really trying to protect potential refugees, Central American refugees, then you should allow them to stay in the United States because the place where they're seeking safety, where they're seeking a new life away from gang violence, that place is the United States. Mexico can't offer that. To pretend otherwise again, is false. But I mean, there's some pride in that. There's some pride. The, you know, I, mean, I imagine that's hard to admit. <laughs> yes, but uh, uh, since I don't believe in magic, and the facts are the facts, Mexico is a dangerous country for immigrants and has been a dangerous country for immigrants, Central American immigrants, for a long time. And they go sometimes through absolute hell when they, when they uh, travel through the country towards the United States and, and border, border cities like Tijuana and Ciudad Juarez and others uh, uh, along the border have, have proven to be very dangerous for, uh, for Central American immigrants. I think that uh, just that fact should be, should be more important than, than, than any matter of pride. 
Just a few weeks ago, Lopez Obrador gave a speech that made it clear he'd done a complete 180 when it came to President Trump. He'd promised to battle him tweet for tweet. But now... Que no nos vamos a pelear. We're not going to fight, AMLO says. So he, he, had, he held his rally, and he asked the crowd whether or not he should respond to Trump. And of course, most people in the crowd said no. And he and the president of Mexico said, there you go. This is, this is, this is the answer I wanted. This is, this is my actual think tank. And so he went back to his vow of silence <laughs> when it comes to, to Trump. Uh, and that's really, really unfortunate, because I would argue that this is not about Trump, or not only about Trump. It's about the very real and dramatic consequences of, of this nativist rhetoric on the lives of millions of immigrants in the United States. As you know, uh, hate crimes are on the rise. Immigrants are retreating from their normal daily lives. Uh, these are dramatic times that demand a counter-narrative. The, the modern immigrant story has not been told enough or well enough in the United States, much less the very concrete story of the role that Hispanic immigrants play in the daily construction of this country. There is great prejudice because there is great ignorance. And, and by leaving Trump's nativism unchallenged, the government of Mexico has effectively renounced it, its obligation to protect Mexicans or people of Mexican origin. I would, I would argue that silence is never an answer to prejudice. But silence towards Donald Trump doesn't mean that Mexico doesn't have a plan. Since he took office, AMLO has been pushing the idea of what he calls a Marshall Plan for Central America. This time around, instead of helping war-torn countries in Europe after World War II, the U.S. and Mexico would work together to rebuild Central America's northern triangle, El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala. All of that in the hope of stemming the tide of immigration. The United States has not only resisted joining this idea, which I, which I find urgent, but uh, has actually gone the other way. The Trump administration is now punishing the, the Northern Triangle countries by uh, threatening to withdraw the modest aid that the United States provides the region. And that's, that's simply wrong. <laughs> I, I, I would even choose a different word, but I'd rather not. But it's Hold on, what word would you choose? Approach. <laughs> well, it's stupid. It's stupid, because what needs to happen is the exact opposite. You need to help those countries develop. People don't emigrate because they one day wake up and say, hey, let's pack our bags and grab our kids and, and just leave. That's going to be fun. People flee because they are afraid for their lives, because they have been subjected to threats because they are persecuted, because their relatives have been killed or kidnapped. And this, this is the, the reality of the situation in Central America. How do you fix that? You fix that by investing in those countries, by offering opportunities to people, by opening different doors than what gangs offer, what drug dealers offer, by helping the the agricultural industry in, in those countries that has been ravaged by climate change recover. You do that by using your vast resources in a creative, humane fashion. 
that's what the United States should be doing, not threatening a, a punitive approach and punishing those countries and withdrawing aid because this humanitarian crisis will not end by decree. It just doesn't happen that way. Radical re-engagement is what you're proposing. Exactly. Deep engagement. All right, uh, Leon, thank you so much. I always feel like I understand things a thousand percent better after we talk. Well, it's, it's always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Leon Krause writes for Slate, hosts Trumpcast, and he's an anchor at Univision. All right, that's the show. I'm Mary Harris. You've been listening to What Next. This show is produced by the amazing Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Anna Martin. It is Friday. Get out there and enjoy your weekend. And we have one little favor to ask of you. When you're sitting around with your friends, telling them how much you love the show, just see if they'll give you their phone. And you can, like, go into Apple Podcasts and just subscribe them. They'll thank you for it. I promise. All right. See you Monday. <laughs> 